Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Morning and welcome to the Flatline. I am your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next few minutes, I would like to invite you to stay with me. It's going to be a time of uh, motivation, inspiration, education, and you know we do this without any manipulation. Our objective is not to have you join anything, and we're not here to solicit any money from you. We're here simply to give you accurate information, information that I pray will help you verify and identify God's plan for your life. If you can do that, then you have the freedom, you have the privacy to orient and adjust to that plan. You are responsible for your life, no one else. You only got one shot at it, not two. The Bible tells you you have to redeem the time. In other words, purchase the time, be wise, be careful, because bad decisions limit future options. And what we do on the flight line is explain biblical problem-solving devices. We explain to you how God has given you at least 10 unique problem-solving devices. We call those 10 unique problem-solving devices the flight line. They are a main line of resistance that will stop the outside source of adversity from becoming the inside source of stress if, in fact, you learn them and you use them. Thus, it's imperative that if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you learn the plan of God. It's imperative. And why do I say that? Because the Bible mandates it. The Bible mandates it. Study. Here's what the Bible says. Listen, I'm not making it up. Study to show thyself approved unto God, or workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. That's a mandate in the Greek verbiage of the New Testament. There's another mandate. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Another mandate. And then another one. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And then he says, take my yoke and learn of me. Learn of me. That's an objective opportunity you have to understand how Jesus Christ operated in the devil's world and never had any stress, never had any fear, never had any worry, never had any guilt. See, these are all stress indicators. And the Lord Jesus Christ was the prototype Christian. He was the God-man, undiminished deity, true humanity, in one body, and now that body is forever. He has been resurrected. He's in heaven. He's awaiting the shouted orders of the Father to return and gather the bride or the church or you and I. But he has given us a prime example so that we may no longer live, as Paul said, it's not I, but it's Christ in me. That's the hope of glory. We can have this incredible life that he had. We can live the incredible life that he lived as a human, not as God. Don't mistake me. You see, as God, he never sought to relieve any of his difficulties by using his deity. He could have stepped off the cross. He could have 
call 10,000 angels, as the song says, but he didn't. He never used his deity to solve the problems of his humanity. He did use his deity to heal people, to establish his messiahship, yes, but never to feed his own self, never to provide for his own personal needs. He he depended upon God the Holy Spirit, and he depended upon his Father's Word. And you can see that in Matthew 4 when the Lord Jesus Christ is tempted in the wilderness, led by the Holy Spirit to the wilderness, and how he handled that. And how he handled it is how you can handle it. If, in fact, you study, you grow, and you learn. Now, if you don't, then at best you're going to do it your way. At best you're going to try to mimic the life of Christ, and you will not be able to do it. The Christian life is a supernatural life, and it must be lived in a supernatural power. That's why Jesus Christ our Lord said, when I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to empower you, guide you, teach you, lead you. Thus, it's critical that we understand what Paul the Apostle meant when he said, be filled with the Spirit. In our last radio show, we covered that extensively. We went over that. We called it rebound. This is how we are filled with the Spirit. And basically, let me review quickly. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you're indwelled by God the Holy Spirit, you're sealed by God the Holy Spirit, and you're filled by God the Holy Spirit. When you sin, you lose the filling. Don't lose the indwelling. You don't lose the sealing, Ephesians uh, 1, 12, 13, right in there. You're not going to lose that, but you will lose the filling. This is called quenching the Holy Spirit or grieving the Holy Spirit, which means that you have become carnal. You have let your flesh take over. You are fleshly or carnal. You're not spiritual. And if you want to regain the spirituality If you want to get back in fellowship with God, then you rebound and you use problem-solving device number one, which is 1 John 1, 9. If we go to God the Father and admit our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and purify us from all of our wrongdoing. That's how we get back in fellowship. That's how we are filled with the Spirit. It's not some second blessing that you get with your eyes crossed and up rolled up behind your ears. It's not something that's going to make you foam at the mouth. It is a normal process that you will receive after you are saved. All of us go through this. We are filled with the Spirit, then we sin. We quench the Spirit. We confess our sin, we're filled with the Spirit. This may go on several, eight, ten, fifteen times a day until we grow and advance spiritually. Now, we talked about stumbling blocks. Two weeks ago, we talked about a person can be a stumbling block to a young believer. He can directly affect that person's progress by doing something that he shouldn't do, discouraging him, judging him, 
criticizing him. And it causes him to shut off the motor, causes him to say, well, if that's the Christian life, I don't want anything to do with it. And they stumble and they don't advance. Now today, I want to show you how Satan throws up roadblocks as well. Because the last thing Satan wants you to do is to replicate the life of Jesus Christ. That's the last thing he wants you to do. If you have already accepted Christ as your Savior, he has lost that battle because we know he doesn't want you to be saved. That's just another nail in his coffin. So once you are saved, once you have accepted Christ as your Savior, then his objective is to shut you down in time so that you never replicate the life of Christ. See, if you can do that, then you can effectively represent Christ in the devil's world. And he doesn't want you doing that. So he will try to shut you down. He will set up roadblocks to spiritual maturity. And this is where it gets dicey. Listen carefully. And just think about this for a minute. One of the greatest evangelists of our generation has been Billy Graham. And there have been others as well. And they've led thousands of people to Christ. I myself have spoken in well over 5,000 high schools. And I've led many students to Christ, as well as in many churches. Can I say that they all grew to be spiritually mature believers? The answer is no. I cannot say that. Did I try to give them the best way so that they would know how to grow? Yes. Yes, I did. But Satan is very wise. So let's look at some passages, and let's see how he could set up a roadblock even to your spiritual maturity and to keep you from ever reaching a life that replicates the life of Christ. If you reach a life like that, you are a mature believer so that people will no longer see you, they will see Christ in you. That's your objective. You want to represent the life of Christ. You want them to see Christ in you. Not that you look like Jesus. Don't go growing your hair long and growing a beard and wearing a robe so you can look like Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. But by your very actions, by your very demeanor, they will see Christ in you. But here is the problem. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Verses 1 through 5, now the Spirit speaketh expressly. That's the Holy Spirit. And he says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, and they will give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Now, what this passage is saying, and what Paul is saying is this, in the latter times, whenever that may be, the times before Christ returns, we know that we're living in the latter times, that Satan has ministers running around, and they are teaching doctrine of demons. That's what the verse said, giving, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. 
to sear your conscience is an interesting Greek word called kastoriazo. The word sear is kastoriazo. We get an English word from that, which is cauterize. When you cauterize something, you burn it. It's like branding a cow, and you get a hot iron, and you hold the cow down, and you put a brand on that cow, and that cow all his life has that brand. That's you've seared him. See, this is what can happen to your conscience. When you fail to advance in the plan of God, when you fail to grow spiritually, your conscience is accumulating scar tissue. You begin to try to put square pegs and round holes that don't fit, and you, and you scar things up. Scar tissue is taught in Ephesians chapter 4, and Paul warns about it. He says it will cause you to be blind, to be blacked out. You won't even know what's happening to you. This is because people get away from sound Bible teaching, and they get under the ministry of deceiving spirits. Now, what exactly is that? What exactly is the doctrine of demons when the Bible says this? Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies. Well, the first thing we know is the doctrine of a demon is a lie. It's not true. And they speak it in hypocrisy, which means they don't even believe it. And the people that teach it have their own conscience seared with a hot iron or blacked out from scar tissue. Now, here's what it means that, first of all, and this is not hard to understand, Satan has a lot of things going on. First of all, he has his own communion table. I bet you've taken communion in your church. And you should. However, you should always be sure that you're in fellowship when you take communion. 1 Corinthians 11 warns, don't take communion out of fellowship or you will bring discipline to yourself. But Satan has his own communion table. You say, where did you get that out of the Bible? Well, 1 Corinthians 10, 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of the devil. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of the devil. Satan's communion table is the worship of idolatry. See, what Satan wants is he wants to be worshiped. He wants, that's what he wanted in eternity past, to be like God. He knew he could not be God because he knew he was a created creature. God the Father is not created. God the Father is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. Satan is not. And so he wants to be worshipped like the Father. And the devil's communion table is you worshipping Satan. Now, you might not know you're doing it. You may be worshipping an image that represents a man or even an animal, or even money. But it is worshiping that which is not God. You see, when we take communion, it's a remembrance. Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me. So you're remembering two things. When you take the bread, you're remembering the body of Christ. And when you take the cup, you're remembering the blood of Christ. 
These are doctrines you have to understand and know to remember and for actually the communion table to become something real in your life and not just a ritual that has no reality to it. But sad to say, most people go through the ritual and there's no reality to it because most pastors don't even teach it accurately what it's all about. And they just go through this ritual of serving communion. Satan has a communion table. You remember him. You salute him. You go after what he puts in front of you. You cannot serve the Lord and serve Satan. Doesn't work. He also has, as the doctrine of demons says, a counterfeit righteousness. Now, if you want to go to heaven, the only way you can go to heaven is to have the righteousness of Christ. And let me explain. God is absolutely perfect righteousness. There's no sin in him. Man is absolutely unrighteous. We're full of sin. Where does the Bible say that? <laughs> the Bible says there are none that are righteous. No, not one. All of our righteousnesses are like a filthy rag in God's eyes. We cannot manufacture perfect righteousness. But on the cross, Jesus Christ, the anointed Son of God, when he died in our place, listen to the Bible now, he who knew no sin was made sin for us so we could be made the righteousness of God through him. So how do I become perfectly righteous? I go to Jesus Christ, and I receive him as my Savior, and his righteousness is accredited to my account. You see, it was a trade-out on the cross. He took my sin. He offers me his righteousness. So once I believe in Christ, then God the Father looks at me as equal to his Son, I have equal righteousness. I have the righteousness of Christ. And then the grace pipeline from God can open up, and he can impute many wonderful things, beginning with eternal life, because I'm now heir to all that Christ is heir to. This is not what Satan would teach you. Satan would teach you how to have a counterfeit righteousness. And this is the evil of religion. A counterfeit system of righteousness. What would that be? Well, like morality. A person says, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't tell dirty jokes. I don't fornicate. I don't do this. I don't do that. God must approve of me. That's not true. God doesn't approve of you based on what you do or don't do. God approves of you based on what Christ has done for you and whether or not you have accepted him as your Savior. A counterfeit system of righteousness is criticized and condemned by our Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 23, verses 27 and 28. These Pharisees and Sadducees that opposed our Lord Jesus Christ while he was on this earth had this counterfeit system of righteousness. They promenaded around acting like they were holy and righteous people, and they were not.
and oftentimes around your local church, you will find self-righteous people that promenade around and act like they are really close to God by the way they talk or the way they act. They put on that image, you know, and it has nothing to do with the plan of God. It's man trying to impress God by his counterfeit righteousness or his morality. Jesus said, Woe unto you, scribes and you Pharisees! You are all hypocrites, for you are like unto a whited sepulcher, which indeed appears beautifully outside, but inside you are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. That's what counterfeit righteousness does. It's the walking dead. That's right, spiritually dead. Oh, yet they look spiritually alive. Their membership is at the church. They tithe to the church. They go to church, but they're spiritually dead because they are depending on their own righteousness to get them to heaven. They believe the lie that Satan has put into them. And if the pastor is teaching that, then this is where the problem starts. Somebody is standing up, teaching something that is not true, pretending that he or she represents God. And usually they have a very holy facade. Jesus Christ is clear about this. You know, Satan has a smokescreen. He can lay down a smokescreen. He wants to obscure the truth so that people don't hear it. Thus Paul wrote, if our gospel is hid, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them, the ones that believe not, lest the light of the gospel, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God, that it should shine in unto them. So one of Satan's key objectives is to blind the unbeliever to the truth, shut down the truth, minimize the truth, demonize anyone who speaks the truth. That's Satan's objective. And if you look at what's going on in our nation today, you can see who's getting all the attention, who's getting all the political action. And it's not the Christians. The Christians are being minimized. The Christians are being demonized. The Christians are being blocked out. In 1 Timothy 6, verses 3, Paul warns Timothy about something. He says, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and it does not concur with sound doctrine, that's a doctrine of demons as compared to the truth of the scriptures. It doesn't concur with sound doctrine, comma, those doctrines from our Lord Jesus Christ, comma, even the doctrines pertaining to godliness, and you may want to know what godliness is. Godliness is a mature believer. It's you living your life within the power of the protocol plan of God. It's you staying filled with the Spirit. It's you growing on a daily basis, taking in God's Word, learning it and advancing. It's you acquiring wisdom, foresight, understanding, and knowledge. It's you replicating the life of Christ. 
So Paul goes on to say, if anyone teaches a different doctrine, a doctrine that is not sound, that doesn't agree with the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ, then he is arrogant and he understands nothing. Furthermore, he has a morbid obsession, obsession, excuse me, about controversies, verbal conflicts, from which originate jealousy, discord, evil, and speculation. I cannot tell you how many pastors stand in pulpits on Sunday morning and talk about everything except the gospel. Talk about everything except the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what religion does. It substitutes false doctrine, the doctrine of demons, for truth. And it sets up a system of works and a system of a ritual to replace the protocol plan of God. That's the roadblock. Religion will motivate and produce every category of violence and evil, terrorism, murder, in order to enforce its way or to provide some sort of leverage to lure people into the spear of the satanic counterfeit system. Does that sound familiar to something today? Religion motivating violence, terrorism, murder? That's right. Think about it. That's right. You know what's going on in the world today. See, religion, organized religion, is not only characterized by the doctrine of demons, but it has false teachers, false prophets. It has to have to communicate the false information. And these false teachers are masters at hypocrisy, master phonies. And they were exposed by the Lord in Matthew 7. He exposed them, and they're exposed by Paul in Romans 16. But behind that master facade of religion is a false teacher using legalism to convert their victims into organized religion. They do that by flattering them, making them feel wanted, appealing to their pride, and appealing to their human ignorance. They promote idolatry as part of the devil's communion table. They promote self-righteousness. They're very clever, and they can only be detected by means of you learning the Word of God and learning the ability or having the ability to discern the truth from the lie. Without that, you will fall victim to it yourself. They operate throughout the church age. They are cosmic evangelists, and they seek to evangelize you. So stop being double-minded, James warns us in James 4.8. That means you have a little bit of truth and a little bit of the lie. can't operate that way. you got to get rid of the lie and get the truth. This show is designed to give you the truth to give you accurate information, to give you a breath of fresh air, to let you see what it means to grow in grace and in the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope you're listening. I hope you're learning. If you have a question, don't hesitate to contact me. I'll always write you back. Until next week, this is your host, Rick Hughes, saying thank you for being with me here on the Flatline. Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, 
please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.